It is 3.07 and you can start the meeting. Thanks so much, Tara. This is the meeting of the Visual Arts Committee for Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. And I would like to call roll. All right. Tara, can you call the roll? Commissioner Ferris. Here. Uh, Commissioner Beltran is absent. Commissioner Hakimi is not here yet. Commissioner Liu. Here. Commissioner McCoy. Present. Commissioner Moosley. Present. And Commissioner Schneer. Here. Um, we have quorum. So. Okay. Great, thanks. Tom. All right, I'd like to ask for any changes to the agenda. Uh, we do have one, item 4180 uh, Jones Street. Philippua has been tabled. Oh. Item number 11, San Francisco International Airport, Harvey Milk Terminal 1, proposed artwork relocation, second and third motions have been updated to include the accession numbers of the artworks. Okay. And seeing no other changes, I'd like to begin the meeting. Welcome to the Visual Arts Committee hybrid meeting. The meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting to allow public comment and the public access to the Visual Arts Committee meetings, either remotely or in person in room 125 at the War Memorial Veterans Building located at 401 Van Ness Avenue. I want to remind us of the policies and procedures of public meetings. At this meeting, we are bound to follow the structure of our agenda and adhere to the best practices set out in the Good Government Guide. At every public meeting, there is a place for general public comment where members of the public may make, may, pardon, may make comment on any item pertaining to this body. In this case, please keep your general public comments to items under the purview of the San Francisco Arts Commission. For every item on the agenda, there is also a space for public comment pertaining to that item. Respectfully, we ask that you keep your public comment on topic. Each public comment is limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely via WebEx. For each agenda item, the committee will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. Furthermore, I would like to address a few virtual meeting housekeeping items. Please mute your microphones to minimize background, background noise. When you speak, you will have to unmute yourselves. Please speak directly into the microphone and introduce yourself when you speak so that others on the phone know who is talking. I will turn it over to Program Associate Tara Peterson for public comment instructions. Tara. The public is encouraged to submit their public comments in two ways, one in person during this meeting or two remotely via WebEx. For members of the public joining in person who wish to comment on agenda items, once you are called on, you will be asked to voice your comment at the podium. We will provide you with a blank public comment card. You are recommended but not required to fill out this card. You may also make a public comment through the WebEx platform. When you click the WebEx link, you will be promoted, sorry, you will be prompted to enter the following information, first and last name and email. These fields are required. However, if you wish to remain anonymous, you may type public in the first and last name fields and public at public.com in the email field. Please ensure that you are in a quiet location and that all devices around you are muted so there is no echo when you speak. At the appropriate time, the chair will request public comment. For members of the public using the WebEx link, please click the hand icon to raise your hand. This will place you in the public comment queue when it is your time to speak. You will be unmuted by the moderator. And when your time is up, you will be muted. For members of the public calling by phone that wish to make a public comment, when the public comment period opens, press <coughs> star 3 to be added to the speaker line. When your microphone has been unmuted, you will hear us ask you to state your name and comment. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. I'll start your three minutes when you speak using a visual timer. You will also receive a 30-second audible warning. 
When your time is up, I'll say caller, your time is up. Then you will be placed on mute and moved out of the speaker's line. We will pause briefly before closing public comment to ensure no other commenters are seeking to speak on that item. Participants who wish to speak on other agenda items can remain on the line and listen for the next public comment opportunity. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes. If it is 150 words or less to art-info at sfgov.org. The summary may be rejected if it exceeds the prescribed word limit or it is not an accurate summary of the speaker's public comment. Public comment instructions will also be shared on the screen during each public comment period. Uh, go ahead and start the ready when you're ready. Great. Thanks, Tara. I would like to start the meeting by reading our land acknowledgement statement. San Francisco Arts Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Rame Tush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Rame Tush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramitush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. As a department dedicated to promoting a diverse and equitable arts and cultural and culture environment in San Francisco, we are committed to supporting the traditional and contemporary evolution of the American Indian community. I'd like to call item number two. If you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate, appropriate time. Item number two is general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to comment generally on the matters within the commission's purview as well as to suggest new agenda items for the commission's consideration. I'd like to call for public comment. Is there any public comment on item number two, general public comment? We'll be taking in-person public comments first for those joining in person, please come to the public comment podium. For those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. Um, if you're listening by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. There does not seem to be any in-person public comment. I'll give it another few seconds for people to raise their hands. There is no public comment at this time. Great, thanks Tara. All right, let's call item number three. If you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will, you will be called on at the appropriate time. Item number three is the consent calendar. And we have uh, several items on the consent calendar. I would like to call for commissioner discussion or comments. Seeing none, I would like to call for public comment. Is there any public comment? Was there any commissioner comment? No. Okay. Is there any public comment on item number three? Um, general, I'm sorry, the consent calendar. Um, we'll be taking in-person public comments first. For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium. For those joining remotely, please raise your hand. If you're listening via WebEx, if you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Instructions are on the screen. more seconds. There does not seem to be any public comment. Thanks, Dara. 
All right, let's call item number four. Uh, idle f item number four has been tabled. <coughs> oh, yeah, Thank you. go back. Thank you so much. Sorry. Back to the consent calendar. Uh, can I ask for a motion? So moved. Schneer. Second McCoy. Thanks, commissioners. All those in favor, say yay. 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 Any nays? That passes unanimously. Okay. Great. Thanks, Tara. Thank you, Commissioner. All right, let's move on to item number four. And item number four, again, has been tabled. So we'll move on to item number five. If you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand to be added to the queue, and you will be called on at the appropriate time. Item number five is the Treasure Island Waterfront Plaza. We have a discussion and possible action to enter into a memorandum of understanding with Gehinde Wiley to develop a site-specific proposal for a sculpture for Waterfront Plaza on Treasure Island for a total amount not to exceed $10,000, which will cover all costs associated with the proposal, a site visit, a preliminary interview with the Treasure Island Art Steering Committee and the present presentation of the proposal. I would like to introduce Director, Public Art Trust and Specialist Initiatives, Jill Manton, to present. She's going to be remote. Okay, perfect. Jill, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I wish I were there in person to see you. Um, but I'm very excited to um, present this item. Uh, I, last month, I believe I had a Treasure Island item on the agenda, so I spoke a little bit about the program. But just to reacquaint you, um, the Treasure Island art program is not part of the 2% uh, for art requirement that governs the um, Commission's public art program. It was a negotiated arrangement, um, and we receive a percentage of the construction cost of the um, very significant development that's occurring on Treasure Island. So all work um, that is commissioned will be owned by the Treasure Island Development Authority. It will not become part of the Civic Art Collection. And the Art Commission manages the program through the auspices of an intergovernmental agreement on, tre on Treasure Island's behalf. Um, so um, the item I'm speaking about today is the um, Artist, oh, and I, I'd like to just say that the artist selection for Waterfront Plaza is handled by the Treasure Island Art Steering Committee, and that committee includes um, Ralph Remington, our director, J.D. Beltran as a representative um, of the commission, the president of TIDA, uh, Faye Sen, the vice chair, Linda Richardson, and the developer, Chris Meany. Um, and at Ralph Remington's suggestion, I really have to credit him for this, um, he encouraged me to look into the possibility of Kehinde Wiley being interested in, um, in having a sculpture on Treasure Island. I contacted Kehinde's gallery in LA, and it turns out the artist is very interested. He was a student here. He went to the San Francisco Art Institute where he received his BFA. Apparently, he went to school. He was a classmate of Commissioner Beltran's. Um, he would love to have a commission here. And the site we're talking about is Waterfront Plaza, which is perhaps the most prominent site for sculpture or for artwork on Treasure Island. You will see this site as you approach the island by ferry. It's just um, a, about a thousand feet. Um, 
north of ferry, the Ferry Plaza on Treasure Island. It faces the San Francisco shoreline. It's flanked on one side by the Bay Bridge and on the other side by the Golden Gate Bridge. And it has as its backdrop the sky and the bay. It's a magnificent sight. And the, um, here are some renderings of it. It looks like a very small plaza here, but it's actually sizable. Um, so it's just to the to the left of the building that you see on the shoreline. And um, it really has the potential to become, the sculpture has the potential to become a beacon for Treasure Island or an iconic symbol. So it's a, a very, very important site. And um, are there any other site photos to show besides this? Okay, so these are just different renderings um, of the site. And then I'll tell you a little bit about Kehinde Wiley. I'm, I'm certain he probably needs no introduction. He's an internationally, this is a vista as if you were looking um, west towards the city going down um, California Avenue. So the sculpture will have great visibility. Um, Kehinde is an, if we go to the next slide, he's an internationally renowned artist born in Los Angeles. He is known for his um, heroic portraits of uh, young African-American men who he's encountered on the streets, but perhaps he is best known for being selected to paint the portrait of President um, Barack Obama, which has been um, widely displayed. His current exhibition at the De Young is is moving, elegiac, um, stunning, magnificent, and I would encourage you to, to see the work um, if, if you have the chance. So the motion before you, as um, read by Commissioner Ferris, is to enter into an MOU with Kehinde Wiley to develop a site-specific proposal. We have certain scale considerations for the site, and the artist um, is aware of them, but Oh, here are examples of his work. He's done a new series of equestrian statues, but instead of featuring white white men on horses, he um, celebrates and champions um, and elevates the role of black black men. I tried to bring this work to San Francisco for a temporary project, but it was going to the University of Virginia. Um, this was shown in Times Square. And these are, this is part of his installation at the De Young Museum, where you can see the sculpt, sculpture really corresponds to the paintings. And Ralph, since you, I know you were at the reception and you met the artist, uh, sorry to put you on the spot, but did you want to say anything about his work and your impression of it? Uh, good afternoon, uh, commissioners. Uh, I, I wish I could be there as well. I was a little under weather, so I'm just wrapping up a cold. So I, didn't, I thought an abundance of caution to stay away, uh, but uh, but I'll be better soon. But I just want to say that uh, this show currently at the De Young and Candy Young, uh, Candy Wiley's work in in particular is so immensely powerful and so impactful and speaks to not only the current moment but all moments in regards to uh, black people and black existence in this country. So uh, I, I just want to say that I think that uh, we would do well by Kendi Wally uh, being represented on Treasure Island. It would be uh, a destination spot because of that. 
and uh, and it would also enhance our reputation as a city and as a commission. So I I applaud it. Thank you, Ralph, and thank you for um, making the suggestion to me in the first place. And so I'm glad that we've gotten this far based on your suggestion. So, commissioners, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Um, if the artist were, if the artist submits a proposal and it's approved, the um, commission amount is two million dollars. Oh, that was my question. I saw ten thousand. I didn't. No, ten thousand for the proposal. Okay, okay. Hi, this is Commissioner McCoy here. Actually, I don't have a question. I'm just actually very excited about this uh, or having the opportunity of this type of artwork representing our city. I actually had the opportunity to go to the opening of the Art of War, which you saw in Times Square, and to witness people coming from all over the world to see this piece of work. That's really a statement and really telling of what our opportunity here in San Francisco is with a piece like this. I, uh, that, um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I also want to say I went to the show here in San Francisco and it was, it was actually mind-blowing to see how monuments are being reinterpreted in a very powerful way. And, it's, and actually this, what you see here is, is nothing like in real life, like when I, I couldn't believe the size of it. I couldn't be more excited to have something like this in Treasure Island. I would hope we have something like this in San Francisco <laughs> at some point. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Commissioner Schneer here, I just want to say this has been a long process and I wanted to commend uh, Jill on uh, and <laughs> Ralph both for uh, the suggestion and Jill for the follow through because as as you know, we've been this 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 particular area to do something monumental has been really important with Tida for a long time and trying to find the right piece of art, the right artist. And I can't think of anything more perfect than to get Kehinde Wiley to do a piece there. Uh, one of the things that Faye Sen had talked about early on was that she wanted to have a piece that would be so monumental and so recognizable the same way on the art island in Japan, Naoshima, you have the pumpkin and everyone knows that for, for Naoshima and we are going to have something even more mon monumental and better. It, I, we went to the opening and we've been back to the show a few times because you keep dragging more people to see it because it's so incredible and so major. Um, and I just can't think of anything that could be more potent than this in terms of uh, the art to represent the entry into Treasure Island. So I just can't congratulate you more on uh, getting to this point and I really can't wait to see it all. It's so exciting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, commissioners, for your comments. And here, here, I mean, how exciting is this going to, this is going to be a part of our civic art collection and really um, speak to our international draw uh, of, what's that? It is not part of our civic art collection, no, but not. it still <laughs> speaks to our inner, thank you, Mary, it still speaks to our international draw in terms of uh, the art and the artists that we are um, able to commission in the city. So it is so exciting. Um, checking for any other comments uh, from commissioners. 
I'm extremely excited. I think all the other commissioner has combined said everything I wanted to say. So congratulations for the selection and Jill and Ralph, thank you so much for your work and the entire um, team for the work. I'm excited to see this come to life. Cheers. Thank you, Commissioner Liu. And yes, here, here. Thank you so much, Joe, for all the work you do on this project and all the projects, the amazing projects you work on. And uh, yes, thank you too, Ralph. And what a beautiful show. I hear here again. If you haven't gone to see it, go, go, go. Yeah. It's here till October. You have plenty of time to go back and again and again. And bring <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, okay. Checking any other comments from commissioners? Seeing none, I would like to uh, ask for public comment. Is there any public comment on item number five, the Treasure Island Waterfront Plaza? If, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we'll take in-person public comment first. If you're here in person, please walk up to the podium. Uh, if you're listening in via WebEx, please raise your hand. And if you are calling by phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. There is no in-person public comment, but we do have um, someone on the line. So can you go over to the one second caller? Open for all. Yeah, that's good. All right. Oh, no. Hold on. Changes my view. Shoot. Okay. Denise Bradley Tyson, you're on the line. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead and start speaking. Your timer will start. Thank you. I, like the rest of you, I am so thrilled. Um, congratulations, um, Ralph and Jill, for bringing this to um, the city. Couldn't be more thrilled. I think that, uh, you know, and I was part of the team at one point in terms of considering um, proposals and, you know, I couldn't be more excited about where we landed in terms of bringing a piece of Kahinde Wiley's um, to San Francisco and to Treasure Island. And I said, it makes so much sense given his history. Um, and now that more people have had the opportunity and hopefully even more to see his monumental exhibition at the De Young, I think that that's going to drive more people to um, go and experience this new piece of work, but I think this landmark, this will be a landmark for the Bay Area to have a piece of his work permanently installed um, here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Denise. It's nice to hear your voice. There are no other hands up, so I think we can, all, there's no other public comment. We can move on. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, then I would like to ask for a motion. So moved, Commissioner Schneer. Second, Lou. Thank you, commissioners. And all those in favor say yay. 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 <laughs> uh, and any nays? And? It is a unanimous passing. Woohoo! Great. Thank you so much, commissioners. Thank you again, Jill. 
And thank you, everyone. I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yep. Thank so you. are we. Yay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'd like to call item number six. If you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate time. Item number six is a discussion about 49 South Van Ness video wall. I'd like to introduce program associate Craig Capora to present the item. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, so we have two of the um, selected artists on the line, Selena Trepp and uh, Zena Baraka, um, and they will be here to um, discuss their uh, previously approved um, proposals that you all had a few more questions and questions on. So um, just to begin, the building at uh, 49 South Venice is located on the east side of the street between Market and Mission. The building is the offices of several uh, city agencies, including Public Works, Building Inspection, Planning, Rec and Park, just to name a few. The video wall is located in this pavilion area, which is in this um, kind of cube you see here, and is located right on the sidewalk. And this is an image of the video wall. Um, and also to give a little background, uh, an artist review panel convened on September 16th, 2022, and based on a criteria of artistic merit, relevant skills and experience, and appropriateness to the goals of the project, the panelists selected 11 artists um, for the project. These artists were approved at the Visual Arts Committee and at the September 21st, 2022 meeting. Oh, it's really blurry. Um, and received final approval from the full commission on October 3rd, 2022. So um, firstly, we'll start with Selena Tripp, um, and I'd like to introduce her now. Selena Tripp is an, um, an artist researching economy and improvis improvisation. She works across media, combining performance, installation, painting, and sculpture to create intricate setups that result in photos, drawings, and animation. In 2012, she decided to make art only with what was already in her studio and to treat the production of her art as one that adjusts and adapts to the material as the materials run out. Brought to life via animation, humble materials become imbued with a sudden tender meeting. And so, um, Selena, are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm going to play the video clip you had sent, and then we could have the discussion after that. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, great. Thank you.
Okay, great. Um, sorry about that. I, uh, Selena, did you, do you have the narrative on hand? I should have read that before the video, but uh, or would you like me to um, read that? You know, I have it. I'm okay. sorry that I don't have my screen on, but I would have to restart my computer, it turns out. Oh, so. okay. oh that's fine. Um, all right, here, I can read it to you. Dynamics of building and maintaining. The 49 South Van Ness building in which this film is fully be displayed in houses the San Francisco Planning Department, the Department of Building Inspection, and the Department of Public Works. These are the city departments concerned with maintaining a livable environment for all in this shared urban space. They are the backbone. They handle the building and maintenance of the city. I want my piece to reflect this dynamic of building and maintaining that flows through the city. I will make a stop motion piece in which an organic feeling space transforms into a more angular environment. As the vistas morph one into the other, they are transformed by being cared for and rebuilt. Each space is equally beautiful, mostly abstract, and most, with moments of figuration. In general, the mood is optimistic. Nothing is forever in the constant flux of building and maintaining. Things happen or not. The space itself is alive. The implied time it takes place in is, dusk, is in dusk or dawn, the time of transition. All right, yeah. Cool. Uh, thank you very much for that. That's cool. So um, I'm about three, I would say this is about three quarters done at this point. And I showed you a wide format at first, which is the, the actual installation format, but I realized on small screens, it's really hard to get a sense for what it looks like. So I didn't know if you'd be like me on a computer or in the room with a projection, but it's very different seeing at large because then the objects that seem really small right now actually have a real weight in their presence. Great, thank you so much, and thank you for um, for being here for us to just uh, discuss a little bit. I know there were some questions um, regarding how um, the actual piece then related back uh, to your explanation of the piece. Um, I want to open it up for any commissioner discussion or questions. Hi, Commissioner McCoy here. I actually just want, it's more of a statement. I think it's incredibly helpful. And thank you so much for being here and uh, just coming to speak about your piece. Um, it's incredibly helpful to actually see um, uh, the animations. This is quite beautiful. And, and um, I love the energy of this piece. So um, thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you, Commissioner McCoy. Yeah, Commissioner Schneer here. Um, yeah, when we first saw your stills, we really had a hard time wrapping our head around what it was going to be. And I have to say that uh, that it was, at least on my part, it was a bit of a leap of faith, but I think that it's worked out phenomenally well. Um, I think the playfulness, the color, uh, the sensibilities of what you're saying there really works so well for where it's going to be placed. So. Um, I really, I see this developing really nicely. Um, I guess uh, the only question I might have is there is a playfulness, but there's also a staccato kind of to the movements. Is that, uh, that is purposeful, I'm taking it, yes? Yeah, no, sure, because I think in the city there is a complexity to the life of the city. It's not just playful, but there's sort of a, I mean, the flow of the city I live in Chicago, and so I'm going from that more, but like the flow of a city is both playful and menacing and exciting, and it's alive, right? Right, and this is very alive, so you're, mm -hmm. you are successful in <laughs> yes. your purpose. Thank you. Yeah, and no, I think I also aliveness is complex to me as well. I mean, I think for the playful, 
is is really important, but I think there is there has to be a tension. Which yeah, is what no, I'm it's it with. is complex. There's a lot going on, and it will absorb people as they're looking at it, because they're going to want to see it more than once. Because there's so much to see, there's so much going on, that they're going to want to wait a minute. I want to see that again. Oh, that's how that works. Oh, this is from the other side. That type of stuff. So, it's uh, exactly. very, very thoughtfully done. Thank you. No, I mean that is definitely my thinking too. When I work for the public space, one of the things that I think about a lot is the fact that it is going to be played. And seen repeatedly, especially in a building like that, where people work, so that they have a different experience every time, or there's a potential for that. Commissioner Liu. Thank you, and thank you to the artist. I, I really appreciate this piece, and I, I especially think it's amazing to hear um, your voice and also your thought process behind a piece. I think it adds a very valuable layer on top of the visual. And I'm almost wondering if it's possible. Um, I know this is kind of a new idea, but if it's possible to have like a 60 minute, a 60 second to 90 second record of the artist's voice as like a QR code, so that it could embed in the actual uh, next to the piece and the public, kind of like the museum. A lot of times we go there, we see the piece, and it's beautiful, or it's you know it conveys certain emotion. But when you have the narrative on top of it it adds additional layer. And I love that you mentioned about, you know, when the city come alive, there's complexity. And I'm almost wondering, like, when you, you know, working with all these different details, whether there might be, like, some sort of fun story behind certain parts of the video, like the, you know, right now it's showing, uh, like, I saw the arrow chopped into little pieces and pointing something. I'm almost curious, you know, whether through that, additional audio layer, it could engage more conversation. And I think it would be really cool for the public to actually not only see the art, but also hear um, the artist being their own curator, in a sense, that, it, you know, the, the, the intention behind the piece. I think it's going to add a lot of value. I'm just almost curious if that's possible, because this is really helpful for me to have a much deeper and richer understanding when I hear your voice on top of it. So thank you so much. All right, yeah, it seems like a great idea. Thanks, Commissioner Liu. Thank you, Commissioners. Any other Commissioner comments? And yes, I agree uh, with some of the comments made by my fellow Commissioners. It, it is so much more impactful seeing it in motion. I know that it wasn't at that step when we saw it last time, um, but it makes so much more sense, especially in the building that it's going to be in. Uh, with all the different city departments that will be in that building and all the work that they're doing. I think of all the hands that are, <laughs> are you know, active and building and taking down and moving um, and all the moving parts uh, in the city and in the departments in, the, in that building that will be there. So uh, it makes so much more sense. I really appreciate the context. I love the idea of uh, if there is a potential way to offer that context to viewers. Um, because it gives it a different perspective. It, it makes it uh, make more sense in terms of its location. Uh, the people that work there maybe can relate to it more in terms of the movement and the work that's being done by those hands representing their hands. Um, and yeah, so I, I just, I really appreciate this uh, time to, to get to hear your perspective on it. It gives us a different perspective and potentially, hopefully, um, viewers that were, will get to see it as well. Great. Great. Well, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much, Selena. Thank you all. Um, yeah, <laughs> it'll be done soon, I hope. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. All right.
Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Uh, so now next we have um, Zena Baraka. And, sorry, and uh, Zena is an artist based in the Bay Area. She has exhibited in numerous exhibitions and film festivals in the US and internationally, including uh, Catherine Clark Gallery in San Francisco, on the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco, uh, Zaz Corner Jumbotron at Times Square, the Peabody Essex Museum in Massachusetts, and um, Asian Art Museum in San Francisco, just to name a few. So um, Zena, are you ready? Are you on the line? Yes. Uh, hello, Craig. Hello, everybody. Hello, conditioners. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay great. Uh, so I'm just gonna jump right into it because we're, uh, you know, we have limited time. Uh, so let me. Okay. Uh, so for me, I thought uh, while people are waiting in the lobby of the building where the screen is and they get to see my work, um, they get to experience a little bit, get a sense of the history of San Francisco and California. So my animation has four uh, broad uh, themes that are in it. The first one is colonization and the conquests of the Americas. The second one is San Francisco being a sanctuary city and a, uh, a hub for technological advances, especially in biotechnology. The third theme is uh, the concept of the bridge and what it represents and what it symbolizes. And the fourth one is the interconnection between war and technology. So the, the animation has two main uh, scenes. You're looking at scene number one. This is sort of the backdrop for it. Um, and the plot is going to be about Queen Calafia uh, traveling to Alhambra in Spain to encounter uh, the European monarchs, uh, Alhambra seat of power to uh, encounter the European uh, monarchs. So Calafia is actually a fictional character. Uh, she comes from a novel uh, that was written in 1500 by Garci Rodriguez de Montalvo. And uh, the novel basically said that the Spanish explorers left Spain and traveled to the west coast of the New World. Uh, and uh, they encountered, they, they landed on this mythical island of California, after which supposedly California was named. And they fought uh, Queen Calafia, who had a griffin, which you see here in the bottom row. Um, so what I did is I actually reversed this story, because the story ends up with Calafia, Queen Calafia, marrying one of the knights and converting to Christianism. So what I did is that... Uh, I reversed that trip instead of the Spanish explorers coming to San Francisco. I had Queen Calafia actually travel to Spain to encounter the European monarchs and to prevent the conquest of the Americas. So that's how I sort of envisioned uh, this. And um, so this is a sort of detail of this figure. I hope it's sort of clear on your um, vision just to talk uh, very quickly about uh, so the characters 
the characters uh, they're extracted from different paintings by different artists from the 16th, 17th, and 18th century, uh, and they're grouped together. So to talk more about my process. I use Photoshop, I extract these figures, and I do a digital collage. In the top row, you see the backdrop is Alhambra. The second row has a backdrop of a desert, and the bottom row has a backdrop of water. And this is to talk about trips uh, overseas and to talk about the expeditions. Um, so, um, this is also to symbolize that uh, uh, San Francisco is a cultural hub and the structure of the bridge, this talks about cultural bridging um, and also conceptually it's a bridge to the past, also bridge to the future. Um, and I also went to the De Young Museum and to the Legion of uh, Honor and I got some of the figures in this uh, animation. And something else I want to mention about the bridge is that uh, it actually uh, resonates with the facade of the building. It's, it mimics the same division, the horizontal layering of the facade. Uh, it's, I just don't have a vertical sort of uh, separations, but you can see the facade like in the picture on the right has about like nine different rows. I have uh, three. Um, and again, I, for me, I selected, uh, you know, one of the theme of the, of war also and colonialism because uh, SF is a sanctuary city and many people leave their countries running away from war and they come and find shelter in SF. And this is actually my own personal trajectory. I left my um, country of origin, Lebanon, in 2006 and I moved to SF and I studied at the San Francisco Art Institute back then. Um, so that was scene one and then uh, scene two, this, oh sorry, I actually uh, forgot to mention that in, in that first scene, uh, you will see the griffin. You won't see Calafia, but you will see the griffin, which is here. It will be moving sideways across the rows, the bottom row, then the second row, then up to the third row. So you have to envision a little bit uh, Pac-Man, uh, the video game Pac-Man from the 80s. That's how the uh, movement will be like. The griffin will sort of play the role of Pac-Man. Every time it uh, overlaps with the figures, the figures are going to change and they are going to go up one row or down one row and then exit sort of um, the structure of the bridge. So that was scene one, and then scene two, uh, it's very different. This scene talks more about the interconnection between war and technology, and you have at the bottom the, a very large figure, uh, and this is to reference human enhancement and San Francisco being at the frontier of biotechnology and medical research. Um, so the action will be the characters, which here you only see two, but they will be more from the first scene. They will be working on the figure, and this is to illustrate all the technological advances that are being done. And the uh, animation is set in the desert for two, the second uh, scene is set in the desert. This is to reference California's drought. And also all the technological advances that have been put into uh, green technologies. Uh, 
uh, and uh, also uh, because uh, technology has dual purposes. Most of the time it's used for uh, advancement and the medical sphere and you know life, but at the same time technology can be used for military purposes. And here the desert references the um, uh, the, the testing that has been done in deserts, military sort of testing, like the Mojave Desert in California has like hypersonic uh, weapon testing and um, uh, cyber weapon testing. I, I, this is so, it sort of fits two goals in one. Um, and um, overall, the animation is also a, you know, a, dev a development of a previous piece that I done on top of the Salesforce tower. And this gives you an idea how the movement will be of stop motion. Uh, this is a piece uh, that I've done in 2021 uh, as part of uh, Nightwatch, a program by uh, Catherine Clark and a lot of art organization in the city. And it references uh, refugees. I have also uh, dialogued with history through my work. I picked uh, Assyrian figures and I extracted them from tablets, artifacts, and I put them on top of a tower. So in a way, it's a metaphor with how refugees are extracted from their own environment when they escape war. And they're on top of the tower, they watch the city. So there's a reversal of the refugees and immigrants um, watching the city versus instead of being watched. And last, I sort of want to end with uh, a, um, just to give you a sense of the movement, uh, because my, um, uh, my work is very, very labor intensive and like 80% of the work is actually building the, the figures that you saw, the scene one and scene two, but once that is done, to do the motion is actually much, much faster. So I just want to show you how the movement and stop motion will sort of uh, look like. Okay, and uh, so that sort of uh, gives a sense of what movement will look like. I, I selected that segment of the dancing because it's very like sort of abrupt. Uh, it's not fluid, it's not continuous uh, in terms of like uh, video. And it's actually very hard to do belly dancing uh, <laughs> in stop motion. Uh, but you know, this, you know, I, I have a lot of expertise with that. And that same piece also was shown as public art in Times Square on a large uh, jumbotron. Um, just to give you also another example of, uh, you know, my work in a different context. So that's it for my presentation. And thank you so much for uh, watching. And I'm very happy to take any questions if, uh, if you have any. Great, thank you so much, Zina. And thank you for um, giving us more context and uh, talking just about uh, what your thoughts were behind the, the creation of this work. Um, so I would like to open it up to commissioners if you have any questions and comments for Zina. Um, I, w I wanted to say uh, 
I just can't believe the amount of information that you're and 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 uh, research that you put into this, and um, more so what we what you suggested earlier about uh, a, a a little bit of a story or to put the thing in context, you know, or, because this just really it's amazing, you know. Look at it, like, the amount of work and it takes a long time. I um, so. Yeah, I'm just taking, a little taken back on how much effort is being put into this. And it looks really good. And thank you for your uh, efforts. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate giving me the chance to just elaborate a little bit more because, there, I mean, there's always a lot of layers with my work and a lot of research. I can go on for like an hour <laughs> talking about the piece, but I just, you know, of course, we just have a little bit of time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Moosley. Commissioner Liu. Hi, Hi. this is Yi Ying here. Thank you so much, Zina, for your explanation and also letting us to know a little bit more about your thought process behind it. It's incredible amount of work and, and really appreciate you. Um, I would love to also um, sort of continue my last, the last commissioner meeting. I had some uh, thought about the idea of the medium is the message. And I'm looking at the currently the scene one, obviously, we have, and it's really great to hear your th thought pro process of having, so the, the grid system reflecting the building structure, which is incredibly thoughtful. Um, I'm kind of curious with scene one and scene two, um, uh, Craig, if you don't mind, can, can, can we look at the scene two first? Um, yeah, this one. Um, I'm curious, uh, is there a particular reason why we have a female body uh, being featured here? Um, is there any other sort of reason apart from, you know, we're talking about medical, we're talking about technology? Um, because I think for me, when I first saw it without your voice over, my interpretation is actually a lot different than what then after hearing your 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 thought process and design process. Um, my initial reaction from this one was I was a little bit disturbed because it's a female body. And then you have a reptile male body on top of the reproduction system. And, and it was kind of shocking to me. And I'm curious, you know, it, would you let us know a little bit about the reason why you choose to have a female body? Uh, instead of just to have a generic sort of genderless uh, body instead. Thank you. That's a, that's a great question. And uh, actually, the body will not uh, necessarily be just a female, and it might change and morph over uh, the span of the animation. I totally understand uh, your concern with that and i would sort of object the same that is not uh, the purpose of uh, having uh, sort of the work being done on a female body uh, in my animations actually the heroine is always a female and i'm always using my own body as the main character in my animation fighting the uh, colonial power and I have like I mean I can show you history of my animation it's always on the contrary showing uh, the female figure as the figure of power and that is um, sort of uh, 
you know, uh, fighting injustices. And I totally uh, realized that, yeah, I mean, and because there is a lot of work that sort of uh, went into the animation and I understand, you know, looking at this visual, there is a, enough information. I didn't have the other characters. I didn't have female characters. It's only limited to that large female figure, which is going to morph. And it will be a neutral body, actually, because human enhancement is not about uh, uh, one uh, gender. And it's about, you know, the figure here represents the, the humanity. What's going to happen to our humanity? What does it mean to be human in year 2050? when advanced technological advances are not only done for uh, restorative and curing diseases, but are done actually to create superhuman and where there will be more uh, genetic editing and where there will be all kinds of things that we cannot actually right now imagine, or actually I can imagine them because I've been studying a lot about these technologies and how they have different purposes in the medical field and also in the military and the, the body becoming cyborg and having a machinery in it. Uh, so please consider this uh, scene as incomplete because it is not um, at all what uh, that idea is going to be about at all. On the contrary, I all my work is actually about making the, um, you know, I am a feminist and I <laughs> kind of like always use the uh, female figure as a figure of power. And it's meant to be neutral in, in that animation. But thank you for raising that. Thank you so much. And, and again, uh, congratulations on your amazing work. And I really appreciate the, um, just the thought process and also knowing this is uh, incomplete and a draft at the moment. This is very reassuring. And Craig, thank you so much. Can we go back to the first slide? Um, I also think it's, it's fantastic to see, you know, all the work you've done and, and sort of incorporating the historical uh, pieces into the animation itself. I'm almost curious because you are sort of showcasing the history through all the historical figures and also moving to the future, which is incorporating the technology. Um, as you can see here, you know, because it's historical, it's the colonialism, and of course, the characters are more sort of Eurocentric. And knowing that your, you know, your background is Lebanon, and I really appreciate you also mention about the idea idea of immigration, the idea of um, the, the immigrant history. And I'm almost curious if there could be a honorary so, sort of a showcasing the history, but also honoring the future and honoring the present by introducing more diversity into your pieces so that it's, it's, it's a continuation of expansion of the community which leads to not only the technology advancement, but also the notion of, um, the notion of um, past, present, and future. Have you um, considered that? Uh, well, it is. The piece does sort of, uh, I mean, there will be, there are uh, references at, at different uh, time periods with the piece. 
So where it starts with the conquest, but then I'm also referencing video game with Pac-Man kind of visual uh, from the 80s. Uh, and then uh, going into the future, into the uh, second scene, which is sort of more geared towards the future, but there will be other uh, elements in it. And, you know, my process is also a discovery of my, my own sort of uh, story. And uh, not uh, like all the elements are not necessarily planned out from the beginning uh, to the end, um, you know. And actually, uh, Greg is a uh, witness to that <laughs> because I had the text changed several times as I was. I mean, it's a journey for me. The animation, I live it. It's like a journey for me in my research. And uh, it will sort of uh, build up and incorporate different points in time because there is also World War II that I uh, and and somewhere in between the first scene and the scene in the future. And that's why also the structure has uh, three rows, you know, they and I'm also wondering if I but this is maybe too much information. If I should work out the roles in a different way, if these figures should also change and, you know, as they exit the scene, do I have other figures that are more into the, into the present? But this is also very tricky because who do I include and who do I not include? In fact, I initially wanted to set the that trip of Calafia to have uh, the encounter in San Francisco, then I thought that it won't be a good idea because then I would be um, sort of going in a in a in an area that where I I could be uh, erasing other narratives, which I do not intend to. Instead, I had Calafia travel to Spain rather because I don't want to uh, uh, intrude on indigenous uh, voices. Instead, I had Calafia go to Alhambra to prevent the conquest from there from the beginning. So th th these are the questions that I think about if when I remove these characters and I replace them, which characters are they going to be and how complicated is that and whose histories am I uh, referencing and what right do I have to, like I don't want to colonize anybody else's history mm. by my own story, right? So there, it's very... Uh, sensitive in some ways the choices of of the characters so that is these are the parameters i've been the questions that i every move i make i think about if that makes sense or not um, and that's why maybe you haven't seen also these figures that are more part of the presence but there are incredible indigenous women who fought um, uh, uh, colonial power mm. and I didn't feel comfortable necessarily showcasing that. That's why I picked a fictional character that does not exist. It's a character from a novel right. uh, that's not real. Uh, and because that novel, that uh, The Adventures of Esplendion, that was published in 1500, 
the is thought to be the the uh, the novels that encourage the conquests and that um, you know people's and this is after which California was sort of uh, named after Queen Calafia. So and then when I did the research, there are also a lot of different. Uh, you know, there are different histories and there are intersecting histories, but again, it's about what am I showing on the screen for the viewer? And I also don't want to give a lesson in history to the viewer in the lobby. So I, that's why I also opted to reference the video game to make it in a more digestible, more entertaining sort of, um, um, method of, uh, experiencing, uh, the piece, uh, but that's, you know, thank you for, I, I greatly appreciate this question because, you know, that also helps my uh, thought process going forward into, uh, into the animation. And, you know, it's helpful to know from an outside uh, view what, how you experience the piece. So I'm very grateful for your question because it points to, um, uh, elements that I will continue to think about and see if there is a way to resolve them, uh, possibly. Thank you so much, and and so appreciate your detailed and very thoughtful um, thought process that you presented. Again, I think that I really appreciate the visual, just the beautiful visual that you have presented here. And from a viewer perspective, when I look at the piece, I don't necessarily would like would actually make the connection by looking at sort of the the video the video game character ha like i wouldn't necessarily know this unless i hear you explaining or t uh, telling the story right so i do appreciate and potentially we'll have a maybe a, a 60 second or 90 second opportunity for the artist to actually be their narrator to tell people about their thought process but then going back to this idea of the medium is the message um i do think if it's possible at all, I think it will be really helpful to actually introducing the indigenous element in it because if if we don't see the visual, we we wouldn't necessarily have that connection right away. And I think that it is important to have the representation and making sure the ancestors are being seen. And so here, I think that I understand it. it it will be quite challenging for you to figure out the way to share the story from different perspectives. But I, I would love to invite you to have this opportunity to um, have the visuals to actually represent the totality of the spectrum of the history. So it would be amazing to see, um, you know, the, the story being unfolded from different perspectives, and I believe you have the ability to achieve it. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Liu. Uh, Commissioner McCoy. Um, yes, so um, uh, Commissioner McCoy here. I, I have a, um, I, I, I agree with Commissioner Liu here. I think that there's an incredible amount of work here, but I think we're, you're also tackling a large amount of subject matter in an incredible short period of time. And this is where the risk factor is for me. I'm, and I'm gonna be quite honest, when I see this visual here, I feel quite triggered. And without having the narrative and without understanding maybe having a larger indigenous presence, 
um, this visual for me, and I, I actually had to stand up to actually look to see if that bottom uh, row, if that was a, I, I don't know who that, the, the picture of, I think it might be Columbus, uh, but it looks like a hand is on a black child. And without... Uh, no, that is a son, sorry. That is the son of that uh, figure. It's is not it a son, okay, okay, thank you. But this is, but that's a, the, an example of taking a look at this and not actually seeing um, in the short amount of time, having enough time to understand it without having a response. So going back to the comment that Commissioner Liu said, I think this is exactly why it's extremely important to really have that native indigenous presence to help tell the story of what we're trying to overcome. Thank you. I, I, I'd like to add something to, um, I also think it, a little bit from my perspective is um, I come from a completely different world, right? So when I come here and I could relate to the artist as having a completely different background, a completely different history and different history with colonization. And her interpretation is to keep in mind, is this an interpretation of, of her world being colonized? And we were for a long time and still is in a lot of places. So to keep an open mind with that too, that that is an interpretation of another world, not just, um, these are all great suggestions, but also I also like to keep that perspective that we don't all have the same story. We all have different stories from different backgrounds. And uh, visualization and making it come through sometimes is hard and I take both of your points very well, and I think it makes sense because it's a short period, and to be able to show something that might think of something else, um, you know, that is a challenge, like you said earlier. But again, thank you for all the information and uh, everything that you're presenting. Can I, I'm sorry, if I can just add one more thing. I think also part of it, too, is where this is being placed. This, it's not this is not being placed in the museum where people can actually have some time. Into it. Exactly. This isn't a public space, um, a, you know the Department of Building and, you know, and Public Works and, <laughs> and uh, so I, I think there has to be a, some consideration for the audience yeah. here as well. And that's why I think Commissioner Liu and myself are really um, feel very strongly about really making sure that the narrative is very clear so it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you know, incorrectly upset or offend people. Thank you, commissioners. Mary, go ahead. I just wanted to add, too, that I think it is useful to hear from commissioners about what they think is missing, but I think we, too, tried not to dictate to artists how to yeah. solve of course. the issue yeah, that we're having. And so really kind of relying on the artist's kind of, you know, artistic practice and their expertise yeah. to be able to listen to what the concerns are, yeah. but then be able to work through their process and how they work to come up with a solution. So. Uh, I just wanted to put that forth as something that we try to do when we're providing some feedback to the artists. And I also just want to be cognizant that this is just a still yeah. of the video. And I think from what we saw from the last artist who presented, when we saw how the story unfolded, mm -hmm. it was a better understanding of the, you know, of the work. And I think, you know, even when she was, that the artist was describing the other image, it's just one component. It's not a complete image. I also want to give some space for the artist to be able to develop 
their work in the way that it's intended to be seen to allow for the story to be um, told as the way that she's describing it. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. And uh, yeah. Commissioner Schneer. Yeah, um, Commissioner Schneer here. Um, I think it, it seems to me from everything I've been hearing from both the artist's explanation and from the other commissioners that you, you just, it needs to be simplified. Hmm. It just really needs to be simplified because you don't have, this is not a feature film. This is a few minutes. And if you, you need to think carefully about how best to get your point across of what you're trying to say as simply and directly as possible. And that's how I will leave it. Good point. Thank you, Commissioner Schneer. And yeah, to speak to um, the research that that you did for this project, um, it's very clearly extensive. Yeah. Um, and how then that translates to the viewer, I think that is maybe the conversation that we're having and the concern. Um, and I think, if anything, this is where it's very important that we do have some context, potentially, if people are triggered by it or they have questions about it, how they can get a little bit more of a narrative and a perspective of what the artist uh, is intending uh, with their piece. Um, one thing I think might be challenging for you, Zena, with all the information that you gave us and all the details, and it's, a, it's really interesting, um, yeah. but how then we can, or how, sorry, you, will be able to then condense that into um, something short enough that will give the viewer context uh, mm -hmm. for, for what is going on in the story that you are trying to tell. Um, checking any other commissioner comments. All right, thank you so much, Zena. Really thank you so much, Zena. Conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Okay. Uh, well, I don't see any other commissioner comments or questions, so I would like to. Um, I'm sorry, a little bit lost call for public comment. Is there any public comment on item number six, the 49 South Venice video wall? All right, looking for in-person public comment first. Not seeing any. If you are listening via WebEx and you want to make public comment, please raise your hand. If you're listening via phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Please press only once since pressing more than once will remove you from the queue. I'm not seeing any hands, but let's give it um, a few seconds. There is no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, thank you again um, to both of the artists for coming and having that conversation with us. All right, let's call item number seven. If you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate time. Item number seven is the Monuments and Memorials Advisory Committee. We have two discussions and possible actions. First, to approve the recommended edits to the policies and guidelines for the civic art collection of the city and county of San Francisco under the jurisdiction of the San Francisco Arts Commission. Second is to approve the findings and recommendations of the San Francisco Monuments and Memorial Advisory Committee final report, May 2023. I'd like to introduce Civic Art Collection and Public Art Program Director Mary Chu to um, and Senior Registrar Allison Cummings to present. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you. 
Good to be talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so we are really pleased to be here today presenting to you the outcome of a multi-year process that emerged from the events of June 2020 when three sculptures were taken down by protesters in Golden Gate Park. Protester, protests, as you know, were taking place nationally at that time and municipalities across the country are still grappling with the legacies of commemorative artworks on public property. You may recall there was a mayoral directive um, from Mayor London Breed um, to the Arts Commission, the Human Rights Commission, and the Recreation and Parks Department to work with community to evaluate our public art and amend our current guidelines around monuments and memorials so that artworks in our civic art collection will reflect the values of the city. So today we are sharing our process, what we did and how and what we learned and recommendations for moving forward. And I will turn it over to my colleague, Allison. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna talk a little bit about this as um, you see you have the report in front of you and it's pretty dense. There's a lot of information there. So we're doing our best to summarize um, and we have time for questions at the end. Um, so bear with us as we try to walk through uh, this for you. I am gonna start with a little bit of background and a quick review to give you some context of what we are talking about. There are 98 monuments and memorials in the Civic Art Collection and these date from 1875 to 2023. For the purposes of our process, we define monuments and memorials as commemorative artworks that were created with the intent of honoring either a person or an event. And the complete list of these 98 can be found on our website. 41 of these 98 objects were given to the city before the Arts Commission was even in existence, um, and which was created in uh, 1932 by city charter. At that time, there were jurisdictional bodies that typically accepted gifts, uh, including the um, mayor, of course, and the Board of Supervisors. The Recreation and Parks Department was established in 1871, and occasionally they played a role as well. 89 of the 98 objects were gifts to the city from various entities, so the majority of them. Uh, this includes, um, but is not limited to, wealthy patrons, community groups, and foreign governments. The remaining nine objects on the list were commissioned uh, via the Arts Commission public art process or otherwise legislated and paid for by the city. Uh, this is a good example of this right now is a project we're working on uh, is the Dr. Maya Angelou monument that is currently being commissioned and anticipated to be installed in 2024. That's on the list as well. 50 of the objects uh, here are um, cited on property managed by the Recreation and Parks Department. So they play a major role in, in, in the work that we do. So our partner, with our partner departments, the San Francisco uh, Human Rights Commission and uh, the Recreation and Parks Department, we created the Monuments and Memorials Advisory Committee, which I'll refer to as the MMAC from here on, uh, with a charge to examine the policies and guidelines we use to manage the civic art collection. The MMAC is co-chaired by three department heads, Ralph Remington, Director of Cultural Affairs, Cheryl Davis, the Executive Director of the Human Rights Commission, and Phil Ginsburg, General Manager of the Recreation and Park Department. The composition of the actual committee is a combination of appointed seats and approved applicants, selected by SFAC staff and the committee's three co-chairs in coordination with the mayor's office. The selection process was developed to ensure that the committee was populated by community members with a range of knowledge and experience considered 
We considered the following expertise, U.S. history centered on black, indigenous, and people of color communities, San Francisco history, historic preservation, public art, deep experience and knowledge of BIPOC histories, art and cultural issues, and racial justice and reparation. Other municip municipalities have undertaken similar efforts uh, as San Francisco, uh, but our approach is unique in that um, there's uh, intense focus on bringing community members to the table to have this discussion with us from the outset, and then um, an additional focus on making changes to actual policy that will affect how we do our work moving forward. We did a competitive RFP process uh, and Forecast Public Art was selected to facilitate MMAC meetings, as well as opportunities for community comment. And they developed develop the recommendations for the Arts Commission to take in for future phases of work. Okay, it was a extensive process. We began work, Forecast began work on the project in September 2021. There were seven MMAC meetings and two community meetings facilitated over the course of the project. Skip forward here, and I know these are a little difficult to read on the screen, but they are in front of you as well. Um, the committee began by developing a set of grounding principles, which are values that ultimately informed what needed to be reevaluated and improved in the Arts Commission's policies and guidelines. Here you can see the final grounding principles which were carried throughout the process and informed the decision-making that the team made. Power, complexity, justice, and representation. And again, I invite you to look in more detail uh, uh, at the report on those. So the committee then proceeded to review and provide feedback on the policies and guidelines document and develop additional recommendations. The committee assisted in the development and implementation of a community outreach plan then incorporated community feedback into the final amendments to the policies and guidelines and the final recommendations of the committee. Community engagement opportunities included two public feedback sessions, as I mentioned, dedicated phone and email lines for the public to submit comment, and a community-wide survey conducted in English, Spanish, Filipino, and Chinese. A total of 36 community members attended the public feedback sessions, 24 comment responses were collected via email and phone, and the community survey garnered 679 responses. The survey contained six multiple choice questions with options for additional comments and six fill in the blank and or short answer questions. The survey in its entirety is in the report. So respondents had an option to provide demographic information, but it was not required. While the overall demographics collected from respondents are in line with a breakdown of San Francisco's demographics, there is more work to do to engage with communities not represented. Specifically, and this was a big takeaway from the work that we did, specifically, we need to be more varied in our approach and tailor outreach to the unique needs of cer certain communities in order to prioritize underrepresented voices. Our data shows that there are variable solutions and each monument or memorial needs its own evaluative, evaluative, evaluative? <laughs> evaluation process. <laughs> there is no one-size-fits-all approach. A majority of respondents conclude that each monument and memorial should be addressed on a case-by-case -case basis and there is no one action that should be taken for all monuments. Respondents were most interested in an approach to monuments and memorials that takes into account complexity. Uh, there is a fairly equal distribution of preferences for removing harmful monuments, better contextualization of existing monuments, and inclusion of new monuments and memorials. 
Respondents are curious about rethinking the timeline for the display of a monument, and some push back against the idea that these works need to be approached as permanent. Many respondents shared sentiments that monuments and memorials depicting violence towards Native and Indigenous peoples as a theme or depiction are not acceptable. Survey data, community feedback, MMAC meetings, and research informed proposed amendments to the Civic Art Collection policies and guidelines and set an additional recommendations list from the committee. So the original charge of the committee members was to amend our policies and guidelines. Uh, these are the guidelines that govern our work and um, uh, guide what we do. But actions surfaced during the process that were not possible to reflect in the policies and guidelines, so an additional list of recommendations was developed as an action plan to guide our future work. And I know it's small. Again, it's in front of you <laughs> if you want to look at it in more detail. But a quick summary. Um, the recommendations include taking a holistic approach to evaluating the civic art collection, build awareness around the collection and processes, rectify current power imbalances, and engage the community in a sustained and relevant way. Under review and evaluate, they recommend develop, develop a future funding strategy, and this is key, funding strategy to carry out the plan's recommendations. Also, conduct an equity audit of the monuments and memorials in the Civic Art Collection. Under engage and build awareness, develop a standardized communications process with community members, utilizing results from the equity audit. Build awareness with members of the public around the complexities of the monuments and memorials in the collection. And actively work with community to reimagine what monuments and memorials can do and be. Under rectify power imbalance, Rectify the power imbalance within the collection as related to communities, uh, to the communities reflected, the stories being upheld, stories intentionally erased, locations of monuments and memorials, and the artists who are creating the artworks. Utilizing the equity audit, begin to address individual monuments and memorials in the collection, prioritize the disposition of the works removed uh, in, from view in June of 2020. And finally, uh, dedicate funding to new permanent artworks, contextualization of existing monuments and memorials, and temporary projects that, instead of centering white supremacy, patriarchy, and colonialism, center voices and stories that have been shared throughout community listening sessions and have not been historically prioritized and are important to the history and identity of San Francisco. And finally, establish an interagency city task force to actively audit monuments and memorials in the Civic Art Collection on a prescribed basis. Not a small lift, <laughs> but good work. That's it. <laughs> so uh, those are the recommendations that came out. We had also um, initially asked and um, for amendments to our um, to review our policies and guidelines, see what was missing, and help us make the changes that were going to be necessary for us in order to do this work. And so the changes that are being recommended today are under Section Seven. This is the screenshot from <clears throat> our website. These are on our website. Um, they're also in um, the report. The changes, the red line changes are in the report. Um, and uh, we're looking at amendments to Section 7, which is collections management, deaccession, removal, alteration, and destruction policies and procedures, and Section 5, which is acquisition of artworks through gifts. And um, this is because the majority of monuments and memorials are gifted to the city. Uh, and so we felt it necessary to amend that. Finally, um, on this end of things, this is a, I'll just make it this one as quick as possible, but just to explain that um, 
our guidelines and policies really do affect the work that we do. This is a policy, a process diagram of what would happen if someone, if we were to be take on uh, looking at a particular monument or memorial <clears throat> for removal or relocation or contextualization or some in some part of the process. And you can see the text in color and bold denotes the areas that were really changing how we would approach this. And the key takeaways here are some we would come to the VAC, we would come to you with a report. And that report would include things like a city attorney's opinion, our rationale, um, community opinions, and for the cases of monuments and memorials, we're adding um, that there has to be a, a public outreach process as a function of that um, analysis. Um, we're also adding community members as um, needing to have a voice in the related professional opinions that we would require. And then also um, in terms of history, making sure we're analyzing the symbolic impact of the actual location of the monument and um, the social well-being impacts that the monument has. And then as that would move through the process, go to full commission, and really take into account if they decide that this is something that we, um, uh, if we're deciding on an alteration or a modification or a destruction of an artwork, then there are a few more um, line items of uh, things that we are taking into consideration. Previously, this is something, specifically, you would be familiar with this, if we bring a, a piece to you that um, uh, possesses a threat to public safety, but we now include um, the piece, if the piece, uh, possesses a threat to public safety, social and mental well-being, historical harm, upholds tenets of white supremacy, patriarchy, and colonialism, or in some other way poses a potential liability for the city and the county of San Francisco. We can take that into account now um, as a function of this process. So these, these guidelines really do affect the work that we do on a daily basis. And I'm going to turn it back over to Mary. <laughs> Great. So. I just wanted to take a moment to thank all of those who have participated in this process. So first to our co-chairs for their leadership, to our MAC members for their insight, their outreach to the communities and for engaging in difficult and oftentimes painful conversations in this process. To our amazing consultants from Forecast Public Art, Jen Crava, Mallory Nizam, and our local community outreach consultant, Annalisa Escobedo. And then last but certainly not least is our staff, in particular our group, our working group, who met weekly with our consultants throughout this process. Senior Racial Equity and Policy Analyst Sandra Pinopio, Communications Director Comate, and last but not least, Senior Registrar Allison Cummings, whose expertise in care in the collection has been an invaluable asset in moving this work forward. So with that, I'd like to um, open it up for any questions the committee members may have. And, Maybe before I do that, mm -hmm. I know that Ralph is on the line. Ralph is one of our co-chairs. Ralph, did you want to um, say anything? Uh, thank you, Mary. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll say a few, make a few comments. Uh, I just think that this process was uh, extremely uh, fruitful. And I know I learned a lot. I think everyone in it learned a lot, including staff and community. And it was, um, as Mary said, at, at times painful. There were painful conversations. Uh, in-depth conversations about uh, not only San Francisco, but the history of all marginalized and, and disenfranchised people in, in the United States of America. And uh, San Francisco being one of the major ports of entry for, for some of those people. So uh, this was a immensely rewarding process, probably one of the most rewarding 
processes I've had in my career as far as making policy. And, uh, and I, I encourage you to, to support it. So thank you so much, Mary. And thanks for, to all the staff for all their tremendous work on this, particularly uh, Mary and, 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 um, and Allison. Thank you. And, so uh, and, Sa and Sandra Pinopio, I should add. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ralph. Thanks, Mary, and thank you, Allison. Um, and congratulations. This has been a long time coming. This is hard work. This is important work. Um, I'm so glad to see that you guys have gotten to the other end of it. I know that it was a, a long process. So, so congratulations and a heartfelt thank you from the city of San Francisco. This is work that needed to be done. All right. Uh, so, uh, checking for any commissioner comments or questions. I, yeah, thank you. I just want to say that um, this, as you already said, you said most of it, but um, this is, had been a long time coming. You guys have worked so hard on it. The committee has worked so hard on it. Everybody has been incredibly thoughtful and careful. And I have to say, looking through this document, it is apparent that you have tried to think of absolutely everything you can in terms of a way to move forward with it without making it so cumbersome that nothing gets done, but keeping intact so all voices are heard as, as different monuments and memorials will move forward. So I congratulate everybody with this huge, huge amount of work that was done over this period of time, and um, I thank you heartily for it. Commissioner McCoy. Yes, um, thank you. Uh, again, I'm going to echo my fellow commissioners' comments on the incredible amount of work, and and um, I my and really thank you for sending this information because I did spend some time reviewing all yeah. of this in advance because this is this is um, I think a quite a sensitive category, and it's been there's lots of thoughts, and I I can't even imagine um, really trying to funnel all of this information and really come up with strategy and guidelines. Um, that work for everybody. This is this is one of these spaces where everybody um, um, uh, uh, will never completely align. Uh, so it is very difficult. Um, one of the questions that I had um, regarding the monuments, I read through the survey questions. I've read through a lot of the discovery. Um, but is there going to be any difference in the consideration of where monuments are placed? Yeah. That. You mean future? Yeah, or new monuments. new monuments. The where of where they're placed. Because what I've noticed mm -hmm. is there certain zip codes get monuments. Absolutely. Is there going to be any equity consideration in how monuments are being placed in the future? Yes. <laughs> That's the short answer. I mean, I think it's um, it's referenced a few times in the report. Okay. It came up in conversation um, at our meetings. It came up in the survey data as well. And um, lo location being um, and called out by community, right? It, the same thing you just said. Yes, they're located in Golden Gate Park, and they're located along Market Street, yeah. and that's the bulk of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the, the growth of the city, right? Because a lot of them were placed before the 1950s, right? And so there's that aspect to it. But I think it is it is called out in here in a pri as a priority, as a function of the guidelines, that when considering a new gift location, 
is one of the things that has to be analyzed, not only in the sense of does this community want this, what does it speak to the community, and is this the appropriate place to put it, and also talking about the diversity of, of locations in the city and prioritizing spaces that do not uh, historically have, not only monuments and memorials, but public art. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is, and will there is it is there or will there be a plan specifically around um, placement, or is that going to kind of happen as as new gifts come uh, come uh, or new monuments come into play? Because I, I think that's where I was struggling, really understanding mm -hmm. like how that would be actioned. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what, you know, it, it's hard for us to anticipate what gifts are going to be come to the city and then what the content will be, how it relates to which community. So I think we are mindful that, you know, we do want a more dispersed group of monuments and memorials in neighborhoods that don't historically have it. But I do think that it depends on what the nature of the gift is and where, you know, it makes most sense within the context of the city. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I didn't okay. know if there was any okay. further. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of scenarios, of course, uh, where things are being either commissioned by the Arts Commission itself or the city itself or funding that is provided to do the creation of new works, we certainly have more control. And obviously, our hope is that the equity audit yeah. will show what is missing from the collection and us, you know, can make some plans moving forward that, you know, not only is it missing in thought and story, but it's missing geographically as well. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what I was uh, hoping to hear. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. you. Got there. <laughs> and I just want to add, it, it seems that um, this puts in place the opportunity to have those discussions in a way that they weren't right. being had before. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's correct. You've made it part of the process. That's right. So that these kinds of things will be thoughtfully uh, looked at. Right. That's yeah. right. Um, Commissioner Liu. Thank you. Uh, I just want to congratulate the team and thank you so much for the tremendous effort. And it's also really great to see different commissions are working together with the Park and Rec and um, different commissioners from across the board uh, collaborating together. So thank you again so much for your effort. Thank you, commissioners, for your comments. Uh, looking for any other commissioner comments, questions? And seeing none, I would like to um, call for public comment. Is there any public comment on item number seven, the Monuments and Memorials Advisory Committee? All right. I'm looking for in-person public comment first. I do not see any in-person. For those on the line via WebEx, please raise your hand. Those on the phone who would like to make public comment, please press star three. Um, we do already have one person in the queue for online. So can you bring up the one second, please? Did you sync for all? There it goes. Okay. All right. Uh, Denise, you're unmuted. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Thank you very much. And um, again, having been part of this um, important committee, I want to commend both the leadership, Ralph and Cheryl and Phil, for their leadership, and as well as the rest of the um, SFAS, FSAC team, along with the, my fellow uh, participants. 
Um, you know, there's a recent um, said lots of hard work, but as you pointed out, lots of more work to be done. But I was um, looking at the uh, issues that just came up with Stowe Lake in terms of it possibly being renamed and wondering, or it seems to me, and just wanted to get feedback on whether this um, document could also be used for other issues that arise, like this recent one that came up with the um, Stowe Lake being possibly being renamed or being um, there being voices out there that think it should be renamed based on the racism charge with uh, who it was named after. Are you done? Yes. Okay. Thank you for your public comment. No, sorry. Sorry. No, no. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comment, Denise. Right. Um, I'm not seeing any other hands, but let's give it a few more seconds. Um, again, if you're um, logged in via WebEx, you need to raise your hand. And if you're on the phone, you need to press star three to be put in the queue. There seems to be no other public comment. So I think public comment can be closed. Okay, great. Thanks, Tara. All right, then I'd like to ask for a motion. So do you want to do them together or do you want to? Um, well, I read them already, so I, I think we, we don't have to do the two motions separately. No, we can take okay. it together. So moved, Schneer. Second, Commissioner McCoy. Thank you, commissioners. All right, all those in favor say yay. 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 That's good. Any nays? All right, thank you. Motion is passed unanimously. Lovely. Great. Right. Thank you again so much, Allison and Thank Mary, for you. your hard work and everyone yeah. who worked on that. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move to item number eight, the Central Subway Yerba Buena Moscone Station. Uh, if you wish to make public comment on this item, raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate time. Uh, we have a discussion and possible motion to approve as installed Node 2023, a stainless steel sculpture by Roxy Payne for the Central Subway, Yerba Buena Moscone Station. The artwork installed at the station's main entrance plaza measures 103 feet tall, 70 inch at the base, and half an inch at its peak. I'd like to introduce Senior Project Manager Jackie Von Treskow to present the item. Jackie. Thank you, Commissioner Ferris. Hi, Commissioners. Good to be here. I'm excited to present this item, 12, 12 years in the making. Um, I'm going to go ahead and scroll next to, to the next slide here. Um, so I am uh, presenting as installed the sculpture titled Known by artist Roxy Payne, which was installed a couple of weeks ago on the public plaza in front of the Yerba Buena Moscone station at 4th and Clementina Street. This slide shows the location of the station and the original um, artist design rendering, so you can get a sense of where it is. Is, um, in our fair city. Um, and I'm going to just scroll through, through some images of the artwork um, that were recently taken by our photographer, Ethan Kaplan. Um, so as I mentioned, yeah, this project has been almost 12 years in the making. The RFQ for this project was issued in June of, 20, uh, June of uh, 20, 
2013, and the artist went under contract in August of 2014. Um, so uh, Node was installed in the very early morning hours of Sunday, uh, April 23rd, by the amazing crews of Atal Fine Art Services, Shidi Dreyage Company, and Bollinger Atelier, the artwork fabricator. Um, according to the artist, quote, this entity imagines the ground beneath the city with its vast network of tunnels, water, and sewer lines, electrical and communication cables as an enormous bioindustrial rhizomatic organism with node emerging from a, from a confluence growing outward to seek light and nutrients. As mentioned, the sculpture stands at approximately 103 feet tall and tapers from a diameter of 70 inches at its base to a half an inch at its peak establishing a connection of earth to sky, people to station, and sculpture to city. It is now the tallest freestanding sculpture in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. wow. So these are just some images of the artwork as installed. Incredible. So, cool. so yes, seeking your approval of the artwork as installed today. Approved. <laughs> <laughs> this hopefully is an easy one. <laughs> After call the motion first. Um, it's amazing. Oh gosh, it's so cool looking. I there can't wait to go see it. There have been so many positive comments yeah. and tributes to it already. I just think this is this is a major winner. Very excited yeah. that it finally got done and that it is getting such a wonderful reception. Commissioner mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think it's actually fantastic. I actually on purpose drive by it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I must have been. So <laughs> I select that route home. <laughs> Any other comments from commissioners? Any questions? I just wish there's more big visual things in the city that really draws people to yeah. locations. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's kind of you know. Yeah. So this yeah. is great. This is absolutely right. And yeah. Uh, here, here to that comment. I mean, all the art that we look at, all the art that um, comes across our table is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's just so dynamic, and I think it's so different uh, than most of the art that we commission. And I think it's really eye-catching. In one of the pictures, you can see somebody like, you know, leaning That's back exactly and trying to look up. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's great um, to see it finally in place. So congratulations team for doing that. And I know it's uh, been a long time coming. It took many staff members yeah. over many years. Yeah. Only one small piece. Yeah. <laughs> to all the old staff and yeah. all the new staff. Yeah. Thought through. yeah. Um, I just have a quick question and I'm, I'm sure we, you guys have gone through this. I'm just curious. Um, what, how does the wind react on that? Well, it is it is structurally engineered. So yeah. this was this was um, reviewed um, in detail um, by a structural engineer, and that of course factored into its fabrication. Um, there's also a complex grounding system um, underneath uh, the base of the sculpture because, as you might imagine, it could attract some lightning strikes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that was also factored into the design and engineering of the sculpture as well. So it will stand all that San Francisco has. Uh, to offer in terms of weather and other um, environmental conditions. That's fantastic. So no, no moving with the wind. <laughs> Let's hope not. I mean, it, it might, it might, there might be some yeah. level of flex. I mean, that's that's what. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to tip over. <laughs> right. Not yeah. major movement. Okay. But you have to find out. Does it have a base isolator on it so it will move in an earthquake? <laughs> I mean, all the seismic considerations. Yeah, I, like, I hope that all those considerations yeah. are taken into account. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the uh, lightning strike pictures that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> there are taller buildings in the area, so. 
Well, it's beautiful and congratulations again. Thank you. All right, any other commissioner questions or comments? And seeing none, I'd like to call for public comment. Is there any public comment on item number eight, the Central Subway, Yerba Buena, Moscone Station, Roxy Payne? Um, looking for in-person public comment first. Seeing none, if you are um, logged in via the WebEx app, please raise your hand. If you're listening via phone, please press star three to be put in the queue. Please press only once and pressing more than once will remove you from the queue. Um, I'm not seeing any public comment. Let's give it another 10 seconds. <laughs> there is no public comment at this time. Thanks, Tara. All right, then I'd like to ask for a motion. So moved, Schneer. Second, mostly. Thank you, commissioners. Um, and commissioners, don't forget to say your name after you respond to a motion. Um, which you did, so thank you. Um, all those in favor, please say yay. Yeah, yes. Yay. And all opposed, say nay. All right. And the motion passes unanimously. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Jackie. Thank you. All right, so we are calling item number nine, which is the Mission Creek Park Extension. Uh, if you would like to make comment on this item, please raise your hand now to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate time. We have a discussion and possible action to approve final design and construction document phase deliverables by Rigo 23 for the Mission Creek Park Extension Public Art Project. I'd like to reintroduce Jackie Von, uh, Senior Project Manager Jackie Von Treskow to present the item. Jackie. All right, thank you. Hi again. Um, so I'm here now to present the final design for Rigo 23's artwork for the Mission Creek Park Extension Public Art Project project. I'm also joined by Rigo, who's on the line, who will be available to answer questions at the conclusion of the presentation, should you have any. Um, to start off, just to give a quick background about this project, um, for those who are not familiar from the last time it was brought before you, uh, Mission Creek Park is located near Oracle Ballpark. Um, it's an open green space located on the north and south side of Mission Creek within the Mission Bay South Redevelopment Area. Um, the park is a host to a diversity of users. Uh, Mission Creek has been home to a thriving multi-generational houseboat community since the early 70s. And Mission Bay, as you're all probably aware, is host to a wide variety of commercial and residential buildings, ranging from UCSF Mission Bay to the soon-to-be-built Mission Bay Public Elementary School, which will be located across from the public art project site highlighted in the slide here uh, in the traffic circle in Area 14. Um, later uh, this year, our project client, the Office of Community Investments and Infrastructure, along with its um, development consultant, the Mission Bay Development Group, will begin construction on an extension of the existing Mission Creek Park uh, southwards to create an additional three and a quarter acres of recreational open space uh, west of the Mission Creek Park Pavilion. Um, designed by Surface Design Inc., the Mission Creek Park Extension, which they call P2 and P8, uh, will incorporate many of the design elements already found at Mission Creek Park, including dedicated bicycling and walking paths, informal areas for sitting and gathering, and of course, uh, extensive native planting. Uh, the design of this new extension also calls for preserving the character and feel of an existing public park called Huffaker Park, which currently houses a community garden that will be expanded and improved as part of this new design. 
Um, the goals of uh, the new artwork for Mission Creek Park are that it's inspired by and responsive to and integrated with the site, is appropriate in scale, and has a visual impact from the distance. Uh, from a distance. Uh, this is a quick overview of our process to date. Um, in June of 2021, we issued the RFQ for this project. Artist selection was from August 2021 to January 2022. Um, in January of 2022, uh, Rigo 23 and his proposal uh, were approved by uh, VAC. And then the artist went under contract in March of that year. So we've been working on design development uh, with Rigo and his team for you know about a year. So here we are ready to present um, a final design today. Um, to give you a little bit of background on what the, his conceptual design uh, was, um, it's called uh, the um, Grizzlies of uh, Mission Creek. Um, so Rigo's, Rigo 23's Mission Creek Grizzlies are a sculptural tribute to the original wildlife that was present in the area known today as Mission Creek Park. The grizzly bear continues to be one of California's most visible and enduring symbols, adorning both the state flag and seal. But few people know that by the time the California grizzly bear was designated as the official state animal in 1953, it had already been extinct in the state for over two decades. So this work really aims to remind us of the grizzlies' absence by exacerbating their presence. Rigo's anthropomorphic larger-than-life grizzlies prompt us to contemplate the kind of proximity the animal world shared with the human world before there was a California. They are also a reminder to our contemporaries that the survival of even such a majestic and powerful animal as the grizzly is inherently dependent on the actions of us humans. The tender love and fierce protection of the mother bear alone is not sufficient to guarantee the survival of her cubs. Sited on a landscaped area at the park's entrance where Channel Street meets Mission Bay Drive, the sculptures will be highly visible from the roadway and pedestrian and cycling pathways surrounding the site. The grizzly's fur will be composed of original terracotta tiles complemented with cast bronze elements. We'll get deeper into the details of the sculpture's materials and fabrication approach momentarily. So this is a sheet um, from the artwork structural engineering set, which um, you have a full set, the full set available to you as an explanatory document. Um, here you can see the final locations of the two sculptures inside of the landscaped area at the park entrance. The two sculptures will be installed at the same elevation and placed approximately 19 feet apart from one another. The mother bear will be oriented towards downtown and the standalone cub with its gaze toward the traffic circle behind him. The artwork structural engineering designed specifically its footing and foundation has been developed an ongoing conversation and collaboration with the civil with the park civil engineering team to accommodate both the loads of both sculptures and also the challenging soil quality in the area um, the sculptural footing and foundation were also reviewed by our artwork installers to ensure that their design would allow for sufficient access and a smooth hopefully straightforward installation um, it was important that we develop the structural design of the sculptures early on in this project as the requirements of their internal armatures, for example, the types and the thicknesses of the pipes, would have an impact on the final form and scale of the sculptures and their footings. Um, so these are some of the design renderings that kind of show the various layer, material layers um, from which the, the sculptures will be fabricated. Um, the mother bear will measure um, 13 feet 6 inches in height and the individual cubs 6 feet 6 five feet, six inches tall. Um, these drawings show the mapping of the sculpture's exterior layer onto which the custom terracotta tiles will be installed. You can also see the bronze elements as um, modeled, and uh, they're highlighted here as well. Um, these are some recent hand-pressed proto 
the press prototypes of the tiles that will give you a sense of their color and texture. And I actually have some show and tell, which is exciting because we are meeting in person finally and can show you some things that, so the actual samples, so we can pass some of these around. Oh, wow, yeah, those are bigger than I thought they'd be. Well, they're tiny. You kind of get a sense of these. Um, They're going to be so cool. So the tile types or the tile vocabulary, as we're now calling it, will be the same between both sculptures, just produced at a smaller scale for the cub sculpture. Um, so the tiles used on the final um, sculpture, these are hand pressed and they're kind of prototypes, but the final tiles will be machine pressed into custom molds with the glazes carefully hand applied. So as you can see from these examples, um, some of the terracotta tiles will be left unglazed, some partially glazed, and others will be fully glazed using clear and color glazes. Um, and along with the color brought by the application of the glazes, the, the terracotta itself will really lend some texture and color variation as well. Um, what you don't see on these is that the tips of some of those, the pointed um, uh, fur tiles will be painted um, a silvery gray to kind of really reflect that quality of the grizzly bear's fur. Um, so just a quick um, note, as we move into the construction document phase uh, of this project, we'll be returning to all of you with some additional um, tile examples, as well as some examples of the bronze casts and the patina that will be used on those yeah. elements as well. Um, so beneath the, the, the tile layer will be a wire mesh uh, layer atop of which a three-quarter inch to one inch thick concrete layer will be applied. Um, the terracotta tiles will be fixed with a thin set mortar to this concrete layer and then grouted. Uh, and beneath this wire mesh layer will be a foam formwork that will be CNC milled using the digital models developed by Rigo and his design consultant at Motet Design. And then, of course, the interior of each sculpture is a robust steel armature that was designed by Rigo's artwork structural engineer. Uh, this structure, the steel structure, extends to the footing base, footing base plate, which will be installed on cast in place concrete bolts to a concrete foundation approximately one foot below grade. And there's a yep. section elevation. So these are some of Riga's recent um, charming hand-drawn renderings, and there's going to be some additional renderings as well, that show the placement and orientation of the bears and this sort of landscaping approach uh, for the area where they will be sited. Um, just to note, the sculptures are not intended for direct access or interaction. This figure shown here is just for scale. They are intended to be viewed from the surrounding pathways and the roadway. Um, however, knowing that this is a park environment, um, we have reviewed all the sculpture materials and all this and structurally as well uh, with our senior registrar, Allison, uh, to ensure um, their durability and long-term maintainability. Because we know if people want to touch things, <laughs> they find a way to do it. <laughs> um, the artist's intent is that the bears appear to be standing directly on the earth, so we reviewed material options with Allison and the park's landscape designer to identify a substrate that would give this appearance but not negatively interact with the, with the sculpture's bronze feet and pose for future conservation concerns, and I'll go a little bit more into those landscaping materials in a moment. Um, and so just uh, the landscape design will also incorporate a lot of the natural features shown elsewhere in the park. Um, including the plantings and boulders, uh, so that the, the site where the sculptures are placed will really have a sort of integrated, holistic, natural, and organic feel. Um, these are our additional design renderings, just showing various perspectives, so you can get a sense of the elevation that the, the various sculptures will be placed at um, from the pathways surrounding it, um, as well as, you know, different viewpoints in terms of how they will be seen. Again, the, the landscaping shown in these renderings is not accurate. <laughs> it will look a lot different from, than this. 
Um, so these are some images of the landscaping materials that will be used on and around the sculpture site. Um, the decomposed granite will infill the sculpture foundation and the immediate surrounding area. And riprap, or these small, um, you know, organic boulders, will be or placed sort of organically throughout the site to tie into the larger park landscape design. Um, the planting palette for the site has been developed by the park landscape designer in conversation with Rigo. So these are the grasses and flowers that will be planted amidst and around the sculptures to get the site, you know, a really um, wild and natural feel. Um, the goal is for these grizzlies to really feel like they've always been part of this landscape of this site as if they've never left. So that concludes um, our final design presentation. Um, like I said, I'm available and Rigo is on the line uh, well, for any commissioner questions. And I don't know, Rigo, if you wanted to make any immediate comments to add to what I presented today. Rigo, you're unmuted if you'd like to talk. Uh, well, I just wanted to thank you, Jackie, for a beautiful and very succinct presentation. <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, nothing occurs to me right now um, to say um, other than I'm being very pleased to be part of this process. I've been listening to the previous items on your agenda, namely the memorials and monuments. And it's, um, it's a very interesting historical moment to be part of this conversation. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Rigo, and uh, thank you for being here with us today so that we can ask you some questions. Firstly, um, beautiful sculpture. So excited to have uh, this as part of our our um, city art. And and yeah, I mean, you are uh, a part of our city um, art as well, just you as an artist. So to have your work kind of sprinkled around our city is very special. So thank you. Um, I want to open it up to commissioner questions or comments. I. Uh, Commissioner yeah. I'm just curious about something for the future. Um, will there be extra pieces made while they're doing the work? It's <laughs> an excellent of, question, yes. The city, and you know, we just know how yeah. things happen. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Yes, we will be producing uh, multiples of each of the file types that will be kept in our attic storage in the event that any tiles need to be replaced in the future. Great. So, Great work. Thank you. I, yeah, this is Commissioner Schneer. This is, it's a fabulous, fabulous piece. Um, and I love your use of materials of the terracotta and the bronze and everything. It's just, I think it's going to be incredible. Um, I do have a concern, though, I have to ask about the vandalism aspect because from what I've seen, it's, you know, you don't want to fence it, mm -hmm. right? Because the whole point of it is out there in nature. But, what are you going to do to keep, as you said, people are going to want to touch, people are going to want to climb. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is a conversation we've been having, um, you know, for quite some time with the park landscape designer to figure out plantings and also these bold placement of the boulders right. and other sort of elements that are being used elsewhere in the park to kind of deter people or, you know, not attract people to go to walk into the site. Um, you know, there's not going to be any direct pathway for access, but you know, like we said, we're, we're doing our best with the landscape design to kind of deter that. Um, but if someone really wanted to walk up to the piece, they could, you know. So we're trying to, from a material standpoint, do the best we can to just really think about how robust these materials can be um, and how we could address potential future vandalism if it should occur. So, yeah. If I may make a comment, uh, the Commissioner, the materials that I selected are materials that are you know, the common language of architecture. 
you know, yeah. steel, um, clay, bronze. Right. So it will be no more vulnerable than any building, really, in that regard. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that, and I, I agree with you on that. But it's much more appealing to somebody to come up to this beautiful piece of sculpture than to a building. <laughs> that's that's what we're dealing with. You're making something that people are going to want to come up to, and I all we want them to do is come up to it, look at it, and ooh and ah over it. But um, you never know. That's that's what the concern if, is. If I may suggest, I concern. Mm -hmm. if I may suggest, sometimes. Uh, and I've read some things about this is where, where if there's a signage that says this is from the people of San Francisco, you know, or paid for by. Well, you have the SFAC plaque that's always. I'm just saying something a little bit more explanatory. Sometimes yeah. that's usually people feel like that's part of, you know, that's this is ours, not. Mm -hmm. I don't, Good point. I, I just can't think of it. There will be an element of signage that actually addresses the way the way this animal has been called throughout California via California's indigenous languages. So that's one aspect of the work that I'm, I will be recording the word for grizzly, grizzly bear, grizzly bear, mama, grizzly bear, cub in the indigenous languages that are still spoken in the state of California. So with your cell phone, you'll be able to actually access the audio and hear it. Um, you know, just since I'm here, I would like to um, share with you that I'm moved by, you know, the California's flag has a single grizzly male that was intended to intimidate and sort of scare, was mm. to announce the presence of this new state. And uh, so this little park in San Francisco will have the remainder of the family. We'll have the female and the cubs. Oh, and it, no. it, it, <laughs> it, so hopefully that message will be able to be communicated in a way that, you know, it's as if San Francisco was holding the heart of the symbol of the state. Wow. That's awesome. That's Thank you. Commissioner Liu. Yeah, thank you. This is Commissioner Liu here. I really appreciate to um, hear the, the thoughts and also um, creative process behind it, Rigo. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, and I think it's a, a fantastic piece of work. And I really echo Commissioner, two commissioners said before about the logistical side of the thing. But I think it's really wonderful to kind of balance the energy with the state flag, with the feminine energy and the, the, the masculine energy. So thank you so much for being so thoughtful. Congratulations. And thank you, Jackie, and the team for making this happen. This is incredible. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners, for your comments. Any other uh, comments or questions? Seeing none, thank you so much, Rigo, for uh, joining us and uh, for answering any of our questions. So excited to see this put together. And this was really awesome also to see um, the samples. We have not been on site uh, for you know for a while now, and so to get to see the samples really yeah. puts it in context and and makes it even more real. So thank you, um, thank you again. Thank all you right. all. Thanks, Rita. Thank you. So uh, no other commissioner comments or questions. We're going to call for um, public comment. Is there any public comment on item number nine? Nine, the Mission Creek Park extension. Sorry, I had to go. 
Uh, we will be taking in-person public comment first. For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium. For those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. If you're calling by phone, press star 3 to be placed in the queue. Instructions are on the screen. There is no in-person public comment. Um, give 10 more seconds for the people remotely to see if they raise their hands. There is no public comment at this time. Okay, great. Thanks, Tara. All right. Uh, then I would like to call for a motion. So moved. Schneer. Second. Lou. Great. Thanks, commissioners. All those in favor say yay. Yay. All those opposed say nay. Okay. It motions passed unanimously. Great. great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks, Jackie. Thank Thanks again, Rigo. All right, let's call item number 10. Item number 10 is the 2024 Art on Market Street post, uh, poster series. Uh, if you would like to make public comment on this item, please raise your hand now and you will be added to the queue and called on at the appropriate time. We have a discussion and possible action to approve the project plan and theme for the 2024 Art on Market Street poster series. I would like to introduce Program Associate Craig Capora to present the item. Craig. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, so I'll be presenting the theme for the 2024 Market Street poster series, um, but before I'll give you a little background on this series. Um, so Art of Market Street poster series has commissioned new artwork by artists on an annual basis since 1992. So um, do the math. It'll be our 21st, second year. Thanks. Or, no, sorry, 32nd year. Right. Um, each year, the program commissions four artists to create a new body of work that responds to um, a theme that's either specific or, or open-ended. Uh, each poster series is on view for approximately three months and consists of at least six unique designs that are installed along Market Street in um, bus shelters. So for the 2024 theme, um, the 2024 Art of Market Street poster uh, series will be devoted to the San Francisco Bay Area Bay Area Native Peoples. In 2024, artists will have the opportunity to create original artwork recognizing the history, culture, and legacy of Bay Area Indigenous Peoples. Possible approaches may be, but are not limited to, illuminating historical narratives, events, groups, or individuals, highlighting contributions to the San Francisco Bay Area Bay Area's cultural landscape, past, present, or future, or envision and or sorry and envisioning a future for the Bay Area Native peoples. So the the total budget for the design of the poster series is a not to exceed amount of twelve thousand dollars for each selected selected artist, and this includes the art, um, artist fee, design, and all prep work necessary to complete the poster designs for the printer's specification. Um, the applicants will be reviewed by a panel consisting of three arts professionals from the San Francisco Bay Area Native community and an arts commissioner. Uh, the panel will directly select four artists for this opportunity based on their past work and their meaningful connection to the San Francisco Bay Area Native community. Four artists will then be presented to the Visual Arts Committee for approval. Uh, so we're proposing this direct select process um, because of the benefit of working closely with the Bay Area Native community and to ensure accuracy and sensitivity to the project. Um, if approved, we would actually issue the RFQ um, Friday and it'll be open um, for about a month um, with the possibility of extending it. 
and we um, would have the artist review by the end of June and have the artist under contract by September of this year and then the poster series would start in January 2024 and every three months we'll have um, a poster series installed. So yeah, seeking your approval on this um, series theme. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. And how exciting, 32 years you said, yeah? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did the math right. I studied art history, not math. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right to me, I'm an artist too. Um, so do we have any commissioner questions or comments? All right, seeing none, um, thank you again, Craig, and we're gonna call for public comment. Is there any public comment on item number 10, the 2024 Art on Market Street poster series? We'll be taking in-person public comments first. For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium. For those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Instructions are on the screen. There is no public in person, and there's currently no hands raised. Let me give it another 10 seconds. There is no public comment at this time. Thanks, Cara. All right, I'd like to ask for a motion. So moved, Schneer. Second, Musley. Thank you, commissioners. All those in favor say yay. 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 All opposed say nay. Motion passes unanimously. Thanks, commissioners. Thanks, Tara. Let's move to item number 11. Item number 11 is the San Francisco International Airport Harvey Milk Terminal proposed artwork relocations. If you'd like to make public comment on this item, raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate time. We have uh, three discussions and possible actions. First, to approve the revised relocation of the painting Zenith 7 by Ala Ab Abitekar to, de to departures level Terminal 1, boarding area C, North Transition Hall, pre-security. Second, to approve the re revised location of two sculptures, 2007.3 Martha H. by Richard Shaw and 2005.8 Cardboard Core by Michael Stutz to departure level Terminal 1, boarding area C, North Inglenook, pre-security. And lastly, to approve the relocation of 1977.37, untitled by Dewey Crumpler, to departures level Terminal 1, boarding area C, North Inglenook, pre-security. I'd like to introduce Program Manager Alita Lee to present the item. Hi, good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, this should be fairly quick. I did uh, present this BAC and T1 artwork uh, relocation plan to you all twice before and I'm hoping this should be the last time um, we have presented or at the SFO Museum who we have been partnering with to uh, work on this relocation plan has presented this to the SFO design review committee and it has been approved by them as well so the, these should be the final changes um, and they're they're minor changes um, but here we go um, so just to provide you some context, this is a map of T1 and BAC uh, a terminal, which is a part of the Harvey Milk Terminal. The areas that we will be talking about today will be the meet and greet section, 
um, the BACT1 transition section and the North Ingle Nook section. Um, most these areas are in the pre-secure side of Terminal 1. Um, no, no cursor, it's okay. Okay, next um, is just a close-up of the areas that we'll be talking about today as well, dotted in, in the red, uh, red lines. Um, so, oops. oh, okay, great, a pointer. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I just wanted to show you where the delineation line is, where this will, this is the pre-secure side on the bottom half of the page, and then this line, sorry, not very steady hand, is anything above is the secure side, which is air side just to give sort of more context. Thank you. Um, and then again, another close-up. And so uh, I'm first gonna talk about the BACT1 transition area. Uh, what was once proposed to be located here were the three sculptures by Manuel Neri, Richard Shaw, and Michael Stutz. You'll see some of those works in later slides. Um, but what is now being proposed is this on, in this location is the Ala Abtekar 2D artwork along with the Neri sculpture. Um, SFO Museum uh, preferred this relocation as the Abdekar had a larger scale and better sight lines to the work than the three sculptures, as you see in this image, um, as well as um, feeling that the Abdekar and the Neri sculpture complemented each other well, so the Neri stayed in this location. Um, in this slide, you'll see a few more details, including the color of the selected Sorel background. Um, as well as the cited installation locations of the work. In the next location, we'll be discussing the North Inglenook area. Uh, the Noguchi sculpture will remain in the same location that was presented previously. Uh, what has been updated is the Shaw and the Stutz sculpture will be relocated to the Inglenook area on pre-secure side. In addition, the Dewey Crumpler 2D artwork will also be exhibited with these sculptures. And so here's a view of the artworks and their proposed new locations in the North Inglenook area. And here's, here's another perspective view. Um, as you can see, the carpet in this lo location is quite unique with variegated colors and wavy design. SFO Museum felt that these artworks worked well in this space with the carpet and could complement each other well as well in the space. And then in the next slide, you'll see that here are a few more details, including the material specs and color palette within the space. Um, oh. Next slide. And then lastly, we have the meet and greet art, real, uh, art location. Um, the Ala Ebtekar artwork was first proposed to be cited here on the wall dotted in the red. Uh, since the work will be moved to the T1 transition area that I shared previously in, in this presentation, uh, the SFO Museum has used an image in the muse museum collection to fill that space. And so you'll see the selected uh, image as it, oh, they selected this image as it matched with the color palette of the furniture and details of the space, and also gave a nod to the tree elements of the Bankston 
paintings that you see in the right of the rendering. And, and that is, oh, okay, yeah, and that's another image of the museum image of the, sorry, of the trees. Um, and so in conclusion, that is the latest updates and revisions to the BAC and T1 artwork, artwork relocation plan at SFO, Harvey Milk Terminal. Um, as I mentioned, these revisions have been confirmed by the SFO Design Review Committee, and there should be no more changes. And um, in terms of uh, thinking ahead and what's to happen, um, the works are planned to be installed spring of 2024 with the completion of the Terminal 1 uh, construction. Great. Thank you so much, Alita. Um, all right. Opening it up to any qu uh, questions or comments from commissioners. Um, I just want to say uh, I've noticed today that all the presentations had good um, shows the area, surrounding area, and right. even we added the laser, <laughs> which is well noted. <laughs> say, thank, thank you. We heard you. <laughs> thank you for your comment, Commissioner Musley. And thank you for all the great presentations today, Alita and staff. Thank you. Um, all right, and my only comment is we have the best airport. <laughs> all right, uh, no other commissioner comments or questions. We're going to open it up to public comment. Is there any public comment on item number 11, the San Francisco International Airport Harvey Milk Terminal 1 proposed artwork relocations? We will be taking in-person public comments first. For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium. For those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx, if you're calling by phone. Press star three to be placed in the queue. Instructions are on the screen. We're currently on item 11. There's no public in person. And I'll wait 10 seconds to see if anybody on the line. There is no public comment at this time. Okay, thanks Tara. I would like to ask for a motion. So moved, Schneer. Second, Lou. Thanks, commissioners. All those in favor say yay. 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 <laughs> All opposed say nay. That passes unanimously. Great. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you, Alita. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Alita. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move forward. Yep. Almost there. All right. So uh, item number 11 is the staff report. We have a discussion. I'd like to introduce Civic Art Collection and Public Art Program Director Mary Chu. Thank you, Commissioner Ferris. So some quick updates for you all. Um, we have completed our final interviews for the 1842 Temporary Art Public Art Project Manager position, and we hope to have someone on board by the next time we meet um, in June. Um, some other updates. Last week on May 11th, um, our senior program manager, Jackie Von Tresco, participated in a panel about public art in the city at the Public Space Summit hosted by the San Francisco Parks Alliance, which took place at the Southeast Community Center. Um, next week, on Tuesday, May 23rd, and in celebration of AAPI Month, I will be doing a lunchtime presentation 
which highlights the uh, selection of artworks by AAPI artists in the Civic Art Collection at SFO with my colleague Timothy O'Brien, who is the SFO Museum's director. We'll be joined by artists Ranu Mukherjee and Lordi Rodriguez, who will talk about their work at SFO. Uh, this is a presentation for SFO and SFAC staff, and we will forward those invitation to the com commissioners if they're interested in attending. And thank you, Craig and Tara, for helping with the preparation of the presentation. <laughs> Um, and then wanted to um, know also that on June 15th, our project manager, Marcus Davies, will be giving a tour of pre-security artwork at SFO for an art law symposium that's hosted by the Bar Association of San Francisco and working with our city attorney, Lauren Curry, to do that. So thank you, Marcus. Um, and then another quick note is that um, kind of to wrap out um, artwork on Treasure Island, we will be completing our first permanent installation um, on uh, Yerba Buena Island. By sculpture by artist Hiroshi Sugimoto, and it, this will be completed in early June. So if you actually look out, you may be able to see it from around, um, peeking up from the top of European Island. So very excited. And again, this artwork will be uh, become part of the collection of the Treasure Island Development Authority. Is there going to be a dedication for it? So we will have an open, uh, we will have a public dedication when the park, so it's situated in a park that was, um, it's still owned by the developer, and they have to transfer, the, the park will be transferred to the city. So once it's transferred to the city, it'll then become public and open to the public. So we will have a big celebration um, when that happens. And I understand it's quite a process, so it may not happen until um, maybe the end of this year in terms uh -huh. of transferring the park over to the city. So we will be sure to alert all yep. commissioners of that. Oh, we've waited patiently for that. <laughs> yes, I guess we've waited wait a little longer. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Mary. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Mary. Um, any commissioner comments or questions on the staff report? All good. All right. Seeing none. Thank you so much, Mary. All right. Uh, do we have any public comments on the staff report? There is no in-person public. So if you are joining um, remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. If you're calling by phone, please press star 3 to be placed in the queue. Instructions are on the screen. There is no public comment at this time. All right, great. Thanks, Tara. Thank you, Mary. So we will move forward to item number 13. If you wish to make public comment on this item, you may now raise your hand to be added to the queue and you will be called on at the appropriate time. Item number 13 is new business and announcements. This item is to allow the commissioners to introduce new agenda items for consideration, to report on recent art activities, and to make announcements. Commissioner Liu. Thank you, Commissioner Ferris. Um, so I have a, a quick uh, announcement. Um, in next week, which is the 24th of May, we have a trip to, um, when I say we, I met the um, Park and Rec uh, Commissioner Kat Anderson yesterday at the Coit Tower. And we had a, a very quick tour to take a look at the murals in the, uh, the Coit Tower and had have a pretty comprehensive understanding of the art history and also the mural 
and also the previous commissioner did work. And it just so happened the person who was giving the tour was uh, um, photographer Richard Rothman, who was very passionate about the Mother's Building in San Francisco Zoo, which has been closed for a while. And for those of you who are interested in uh, taking a look at the Mother's Building, he's giving a tour to um, also one of the zoo commissioner, um, Jane Tobin and myself, next um, Wednesday on the 24th of uh, at 2.30 in the afternoon. And he, we welcome anybody here to join us uh, to take a look at the incredible work um, that has been done in the past by two women mirrorists. Um, and I think that if you haven't seen it, like myself, uh, I would love to um, just welcome anyone join the tour. Again, it's 24th um, next Wednesday uh, at 2.30 in the San Francisco Zoo. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Liu. Um, any other commissioner new business or announcements? Mine a quick one, the same one as every time. Um, come out to Art Walk. We're doing the next one is in my neighborhood. Come hang out. Yay. Um, you know, because especially since it's my neighborhood, I'm going to try to make it a little special. We'll see how it goes. All right. Any other uh, commissioners have anything to add? All right. Seeing none, then we will move forward to item number 14. Oh, sorry. Um, is there any public comment on item number 13, new business and announcements? There is no public in person, so if you're listening via Webex, please raise your hand. If you are listening via the phone, please press star three to be put in the queues. Instructions are on the screen. Not seeing any hands, we'll give it 10 seconds. <laughs> there is no public comment at this time. Great, thanks Tara. All right, let's move to item number 14, which is adjournment. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you everybody. Thank you. Good meeting. And luckily we had one too. <laughs> it helped a little anyway. Was it just me or was everybody freezing? I'm freezing. I'm freezing. Were you cold? Is it cold over there?